0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So I've got an interesting topic today and um, it, I'm, I'm still kind of sticking on the idea of prayer, but then also our connection with the spiritual dimension. You know, I, I love to demystify the flaky stuff that we see. So, so there, you know, and, and, I, and I don't want to. I can speak today. I can. I'll get it. I'll get there. But I don't want to just put everybody in the in the realm of. Uh, people that believe in the gifts and people that don't believe in the gifts. But that, that is a big divide in the body of Christ. There is a big divide in the body of Christ of whether or not the Spirit of God is active, speaking to us, leading us, or if it's just only the Word and don't try to engage with the Spirit because it's too subjective and you'll be led astray. You know, there, there, there is that mindset. So I kind of want to talk around these ideas, share a little bit of a personal story um, just as an example. And I and I prayed because the story that I wanna share that happened this week is it's interesting. It can be considered a little weird for some of you. You'll love it. And you're like, ooh, I want an experience like that. But then others are like, mm, I don't know if I want to that sounds too confusing. But you know, we'll we'll talk about it. So and and Hans, I apologize to your parents but I know they're visiting, this is their first time and but it is close to Halloween, so the topic is... I'm not sure that makes it better. Honestly. You'll see what I mean here in a minute. But so 1 John 5, we're a little bit out of order there, Sydney. This, this passage here is kind of what we've been hovering around. Everything for a few weeks will be anchored out of this idea. First John 5, starting in 19, we know that we are of God. Say, I am of God. You know, that's one of the things that Jesus said. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you... Do you see yourself as a friend of God? Find that song. What is it? I am am a friend of God. (laughs) On cue. Uh, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Say, I know him who is true. true. Now, I pray that you do. Not just do you know the information about him, but that you actually know him. And knowing him comes with engaging in relationship with him, you know, not secretly as if you know him better than anybody else. That, that's not the way it is with him. And this word know is the word "nosco," which has to do with an experiential knowledge. You know, this aspect of Romans 8 that talks about um, that, that his, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. May you know him that way. May, when you face failure, you face challenge, you face difficulty, or you face opportunities of growth, which is kind of what we're talking about in the moving forward sessions right now, if you're, if you're at a point where you're going to step into something new and grow a little bit, growth is painful, you know? My son, Reese, which he just went and got a sports physical to update it. They measured him. He's, he's six feet tall. And I remember there was a period where his shins you know, would ache, and you got, have kids, teenagers, and they're like, oh, my legs are hurting. It's like those growing pains, you know. You're going to experience growing pains when you try to grow past your current state, and you need help. You need support. You need to be encouraged, and more than anything, you need to know him because he's the one that will supply the knowledge and the power to transition through that area. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. You know, I really don't, And and you know, I hope I hope church is more than just coming week after week for you, hearing an encouraging message, and then going out and trying to face life, you know. I, I hope and pray that it shapes you and helps you grow, and you become a witness to other people. Other people watch you, and they watch you transition through challenging difficulty, you know. So in other words, they watch you when you're struggling with your kids, how you interact, and... Where do you go when, you know, when, if the world's watching you interact with your kids, do they see Jesus? Uh-oh. Or how we respond to loss. I, Adam, I think you sang everybody into an angelic coma. <laughs> it's quiet in here today. Are you with me? Yeah. You know, I, 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 this is not just you get to come and enjoy some goosebump Holy Spirit music and then you evaluate the message to see whether you agree with it or not. Sorry. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. Um, But I I pray that you know him. I pray everything that you do is with him in mind knowing what his word says about wherever you are in life. Because it's why Jesus came. If you put verse 20 back up there, please, 1 John 5.20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know one of the reasons Jesus came is so that you would know God. Nobody can teach you how to know God, right? Could can talk about God, give you some information about him, but only you can know him. And you can't know him like other people know him. It's your own personal relationship with him. You And you can know him and be known by him. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God in eternal life. Verse 21. Did you not have verse 21? I do. I'll read it to you. Uh, well, that's actually its probably a good thing you didn't have it. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, idols back then weren't just little uh, wood carvings. It was what spirit was represented by that wood carving, right? So you burn the little piece of wood statue, didn't really do anything to the idol. It was, what's the spirit that this, they're trying to anchor to this idol? And that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today in this idea of knowing God, knowing that he is true, and knowing that whatever facet you're in, if you know his truth, you will experience freedom in that area, whether it be in relationships, finances, you know, emotions, whatever it is, we're seeking to experience his freedom and his truth. So... I'll tell you this this story. It, it's interesting. And I, again, I debated on whether I want to talk about it because people can get strange about these kinds of things, and it's not this thing to talk about. But um, I'm going to change my battery because I can tell it's about to die. All right. So... This week marked, on Tuesday, marked three years since mom passed. And um, Tuesday morning, my brother's back here. It's not the easiest thing to talk about. But Tuesday morning, I was out walking the dog got back. And and I'll tell you, honestly, I, I hadn't thought about that the date because it just wasn't something, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, I think about her birthday and I think about her all the time, but I just wasn't aware that that was the day, right? And uh, so I'd actually, I woke up at like about five o'clock that morning on Tuesday, which is, or I don't usually get up that early, but I woke up and, you know, just stirred and kind of started to go ahead and get my day going. And then um, Christy Metropolis was in town because she had gone with Sarah to an event. And so I actually ran her to the airport at about six Got home, walked the dog, probably about 8.30, getting back to the house with the dog. And then, and then uh, I, I probably should have warned you about coming to church this day. It's not easy. But anyway, um, he texts, my brother texts and said, I miss her, which I, I miss her. And then I said, yeah, about 5 o'clock this morning, I woke up, which then I thought about, oh, my goodness, that's about the same time that she passed in transition. Now, she'd been unresponsive for a couple of weeks. But at the time um, And the morning, about five o'clock, I hear her in there, because I was in the living room on an air mattress, and I hear her in there, and I go in there, and her eyes are wide open. She'd not opened her eyes in weeks, two or three weeks. She'd not really tried to communicate in that period of time either, but she was trying you could tell she was trying to communicate. And so I went and got Chris and and we were just standing there looking at her and and she, and I've I've said this before here and it's hard to know, but I'm convinced that she was seeing that host that was coming to pick her up and usher her in. I know, Will, you have a story about your dad passing that way and probably a lot of us have really interesting stories about something happening and we watch and you see people. I've heard people telling stories about you know, there's angels over here. And 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 if you're a nurse, I'm, you've probably heard all these, you know, there's probably all kinds of stories that you've heard. But so, you know, she, and she's trying to communicate, but she's not struggling. She's not afraid. You could tell the look on her face. She was surprised and, and seemed kind of excited. And she was like calling out, not in a panic, but just like, I imagine what it might be like, like, hey, come here, you got to see this type thing, you know? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, here's Jesus, a couple of angels, maybe her dad coming to pick her up, you know. And, and, then, and then she was gone. That was it. And so that was around five-ish. So I woke up at the time, that time. Now, again, what I'm going to tell you, I'm not trying to build a doctrine out of it. I warn you about building doctrines out of these kinds of things. And we better know him when these kinds of things happen because it's easy to be moved by spiritual phenomenon and be led astray. So that, that's the point of why I'm telling this story, because I think all of us, we're all seeking to interact with that spiritual dimension. We probably all have missed loved ones and and you know, I loved what Chelsea shared last week about her getting in, and she was open public about this, but she was getting into tarot cards and mediums, you know, if you're unfamiliar, unfamiliar with what mediums are, mediums are people that you go to that supposedly hear from spirits on the other side, typically uh, loved ones that have passed on. I'm not asking you if you've ever been to a medium or a palm reader or anything like that, but um, you know, it, it's out there, and there. And there are people, I think, that are prone toward uh, being more connected. I don't I won't say more connected, but just maybe wired to flow in those gifts more so than other people. We all have the capacity to do it. We're all spiritual. We all have the capacity to interact with that dimension, but God will lead some people to flow more in those gifts than others. And um, so, you know... If, I'm, I'm trying to sort through to deal. Let me, so let me finish the story. So I wake up at about five. He had woken up at about five. We talked about that, and then I and then I went ahead back inside. Reese was getting ready for school, and I think he needed to be. I think he was. He's a senior, so I think that day he didn't have to be there till like ten. So you know, made some breakfast. About nine thirty, a friend of mine, um, on the same day, still within hours, texted me, who is a guy that I trust in terms of flowing in different gifts. A friend of mine, Ron, down in Florida. Some of you have been here for a while, met him, or you're aware of him, Um, but he texts me, and he said, uh, about 5 o'clock this morning, I was up worshiping, meditating, and I felt the presence of your mom, and it was very sweet, and she said to tell y'all she's proud of you. So now what? <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. Now what? Except, leader. Leader. Just keep on doing it. Let it be what it is. true. Quantum entanglement. <laughs> Where's your mind go? How do you figure how do you what do you do with that? Okay, now, so let me ask you this. How many of you believe in angels? How many of you believe in demons? How many of you believe they're active and alive and interacting with us? How many of you believe that you're... How many of you believe in ghosts? This is the ghost. Well, you know, so who says the ghost isn't? It? I get it. Listen, this is why I apologize, because I know it's the first time here. I'm teasing. I'm sure they're fine. but I'm going slow on purpose, because I want you to think about it. You've all had encounters like that, right? So you're thinking about something. You hear a song on the radio. You watch something on the TV, and they almost all say the same thing. What's going on? Is it a sign? Is it not a sign? Is it an angel? Because angels are messengers. Is it an angel bringing a message? Is it a demon, deceptive, lying spirit trying to gain a foothold to lead you astray? Now, this can happen. Let me just tell you. Um, and, and, I've, and I've seen this. But which, incidentally, uh, when my dad passed um, and I preached both of their memorial services... Uh, but a couple of weeks after Dad passed, I was—we were here. Actually, I think it may have been during the. Do you remember if that was during the? the during the? No, no, no. That was a crawl. It was here. We were in this building, and someone who you know I love—they're not in the room today, and you probably don't know them actually. But um, anyway, someone was in the room, and this was a couple of weeks after Dad passed, and this person, you know, tends to flow in those gifts. But maybe not as knowledgeable as they should be because they're kind of new to it. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to anchor ourselves in the truth because these kinds of things happen and we need to know how to think about this kind of stuff. And I don't want you chasing signs and messages and wonders. I want you rooted in Christ. But we live connected to the spiritual dimension. So we need to know how to deal with this kind of stuff. We need to be discerning, right? So... I'm up preaching a couple of weeks after dad passed, and this person said in the spirit they saw him walk into the room, look up at me, and then turn around and walk out. Was that my dad? I know you're afraid to answer now because you think I'm going to trick you. So let me just kind of give you some of my perspective on this now, and I'll jump into some Scripture to kind of iron some of this stuff out. But no, I don't think that was my dad. I think that was probably a what's called a familiar spirit, possibly looking for an entry, maybe in a moment of emotion and weakness, wandering, seeking a foothold. Now, when he passed... And I don't doubt, and I know this is kind of heavy, but I don't doubt that there were spirits involved because of the way that he lived, and I'm not trying to dishonor him, just being truthful the way that he lived. I don't doubt that there were spirits involved in his life that were dark and deceptive, just because some of the stuff that he was into and how he lived. not saying he was an evil person because he did confess to me that he believed in Christ, so I believe I'll see him in heaven again, But spirits still are out there trying to wander around, trying to get a foothold. And there is an aspect of the spiritual dimension that that is still lingering. Now, remember, and we talk about this all the time, in Colossians 2, we see that one of the things that Jesus did in his uh, atonement, death, burial, and resurrection, is he stripped all principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual forces, all of that stuff, he stripped all of those of any and all authority. And he declared, I have all authority on heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth. And we know that he overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave specifically. And that means he has power over it and authority over it. Amen? Are you with me? Yes. Now, but those entities, so, so there is a time coming called the resurrection and a final judgment. When everything that has ever existed goes before the Father, the great white throne judgment, there's a separation of the goats and the sheep, us being the sheep. We know His voice. We enter into our eternal reward. The goats are cast in, or the, those that have not received Christ, are cast into what's known as the lake of fire. Nobody's in the lake of fire right now. specifically says that it was created for Antichrist spirit and for fallen angels, That awaits. So at that final judgment, everything that is not of Christ that has been regenerated or rebelled against God in that spiritual dimension is thrown into that lake of fire. Until then, there are spirits still roaming around. And unfortunately, they are masters of human psychology. They've been around for thousands of years. They know how we think. Now, they don't know everything, okay? They don't know everything because remember, remember when um, the angel appeared to Mary who was pregnant with Jesus and, and, to, and to Joseph and said, go down to um, Bethlehem. Bethlehem because Herod the king has caught wind of this prophecy and is going to kill all the babies in, in uh, Jerusalem? Well, why didn't the enemy know that Jesus was hiding out down in Bethlehem? You know, it's like little things like that just give us some anchors into the truth. And and so this is the kind of thing that I want us to do is look to Scripture. Okay, okay, so I'm thinking about this because some people think that the enemy can read your mind and know everything that's going on. Well, they knew where Jesus was probably, the star. There, the people, the kings from the east came and offered presents. They probably knew that they were probably saw Jesus in that manger and probably thought, oh, here he is. Even the angels have burst forth and announced to the shepherds, here's the Messiah, here's the Son of God. They were probably mounting their attack waiting, and we see in Jesus' life, all throughout his life, they sought to kill him, right? And then it says, had they really known what his assignment was, they wouldn't have killed him because killing him put him in the grave to overcome their domain. Yeah. Praise God for that. Okay. And strip them of any and all authority on the way out. So that so they're powerless other than deception, which is more of a hypnotic aspect of how they work in our our lives. And if you are if you're in a vulnerable emotional state, you know, had I had I still really been upset of, and now so think about this. I think about uh, parents that have lost children, or maybe you've lost a spouse, and you know maybe maybe there's the type of connection there, where there's still a lot of emotion, there's a lot of sensitivity. You you real you kind of feel that sense of lack or emptiness, and it's and it's it still kind of eats you up on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you ever experienced a loss like that, but it you just kind of feel when you think about it, it's like, you, you want to get away from it Ra- rather than being able to think about it and it not feeling like it's stealing a part of your soul. You feel anchored, right? You can think about it. You miss them. You love them. It, you have emotion. I'm not saying you don't feel anything. I'm just saying you're, you're, you're steady rather than able to be drawn on or knocked off base because of the emotional aspect going on, on the inside of you related to this loss, right? All right, do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you haven't experienced that, but I think absolutely. Those dark and deceiving spirits wait for moments like that and then will come in and try to plant a seed to try to lead you astray. And maybe you take the bait and you go off. Right? And and, and it's not that you become possessed and it's not that you necessarily need to go get a deliverance performed upon you. And you also don't need to try to figure out what kind of spirit it is. All you need to know is him. Amen? Amen. If you know him, Amen. you know, I, I don't know if they do this anymore or if this is even true, but it makes a good illustration, so here we go. <laughs> but I heard, anybody ever worked at a bank counting money? Anybody has ever been your job? You? Did they, did they, maybe they did this with you, but I've heard that uh, bank tellers that, are, that count money, the way that they teach you to spot a counterfeit, they'll give you a stack of bills Slide a counterfeit in there, and you count it, and so you become so familiar with the. Of course, now they got the counters, and they count. They spot the counterfeit, or the counterfeit. But back in the day, you count with the hands, and the way that you could spot a counterfeit was not by studying the counterfeit. Well, it's got this, but you knew what actual real money felt like, so that when you came across the fake one, you oh wait a minute, that's not. That, that that's how we should be with the discerning of spirits understanding where we are in this spiritual connection, we should know him so intimately that anytime anything other than him enters in, oh, wait, no, wait a minute. And if if there is an opportunity for confusion because maybe there's a heightened sense of emotion or something attached to it, then you've got to have parameters of which to filter all that stuff through, right? And so what are our filters? What are we going to anchor into to know? And And... I'm not going to take the time to go through all these because I kind of just wanted to present this idea, get you thinking, and then send you out to to do some homework. But if you go, if you this week, so the last few weeks you've been reading through 1 John, and and I've been loving Bob. Bob, wave your hand at me. Bob's been giving me some really cool testimonies about just a passion to read scripture and coming up and personal changes. And I won't go into all that because it's, but it's good stuff. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, this week, give you a homework assignment. You can read the whole book of John if you like, but specifically on this topic, read John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. And we'll send out a text or an email or something like that. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those are specifically the chapters where Jesus is preparing his disciples. He's going to allow himself to be arrested. And um, he starts teaching them about what life is going to be like without him. And he assures to them, "Keep following me. There's going to be an opportunity for you to turn away. Don't turn away, don't draw back. Abide in me. Those who abide in me will bear fruit. If you don't bear fruit, I'll lift you up. The spirit will continue to help you and help." You know, there's a bad translation that says that the Spirit will cast you out or cast you away. That's not actually what's happening. That's, that's a really bad translation. The phrase, cast away, that you're going to run across in that chapter, those chapters, doesn't mean that if you don't bear fruit, God's going to throw you away. It actually means to lift up and to bear up. Because the, the, the parable that he's giving is of a vine dresser taking care of crops. And all of you that know that are gardeners, you do prune, you do cut away the dead stuff. But if you have a limb that's droopy or not bearing fruit, you stake it up. If it's got life in it, you stake it up so that it will grow fruit prop. Or if it's overburdened, you stake it up to support. That's the idea when you get into John 14, 15, 16, 17, when it says if you're not bearing fruit, God will cast you away. Just know that in the original language, it actually means to prop up to help you so that you will bear fruit. He's not looking for a reason to throw you away into the fire. Amen. So keep that in mind. Now, fast forward back to this experience. Um, so, was that actually my mom sending a message? Yes. I think so. Why not? Yes, I think so. Why not? I'll tell you, I, I, I can't say for certain that I'm 100% sure one way or the other. And I don't want to depend on my own capacity of spirituality to try to figure it out. Now, the message sounded like something that she would say. I would imagine. That, okay, so, so then there also is this concept of that great cloud of witnesses. And it seems to mean, this is in Hebrews, it talks about this great cloud of witnesses. I don't think we really know what that is. It seems to kind of indicate maybe that our loved ones that have gone on before us. It also talks about the patriarchs that went on of the faith that went on before us, you know. But the point is there's no biblical precedent of you wanting to communicate with someone that has moved on from this dimension and then, and then that you can do that at will. In fact, there's great warning against attempting to do that. Be careful. And, 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 and again, these, this may be basic. This may be kind of like, well, duh you know, kind of a no-brainer for you, but I want to be clear and direct about it for some of you, but also out there, people are craving spiritual experience. There is a huge resurgence of the use of psychedelics again, psilocybin, ayahuasca, mushrooms, DMT, even in treatment, our counselors, I know you're a professional counselor and I really highly doubt you're suggesting but you've heard about microdosing of um, what's the, is it ketamine? Ketamine have have Ke- actually go and do that. yeah. Yeah. And, and see, here's the thing it, it, it can be helpful, but it's like, be careful, because what that stuff does is it probably affects the physical part of you that needs to be in the right kind of alignment to be interactive. Because, I, you know, we, we are a whole being that has the capacity to perceive and interact with the spiritual dimension, right? So like when you have a spiritual experience, it's not that something outside of your capacity happens. It's just for whatever reason, it happens. And, and, and I personally, I think drugs, especially psychotropic and psychedelic, even antipsychotic medications, like a lot of these people that do mass shootings, I don't know if you remember back in the, I think it was in the 70s, um, Is it Horowitz. I think his nickname was the son of Sam. You know, he said he killed all those people because his dogs, his neighbor's dog in the backyard told him to do it. Well, that's obviously demonic. But where he was in that unstable state of mental health, it seemed logical to him for his neighbor's dog to tell him to kill people. And we might laugh at that, but I'm telling you, there are much more subtle aspects of this, of suggestion that can creep in now we can allow that to scare us you know scare the daylights out of us and then jump into this fight where we're shadow boxing and we understand the darkness and we know the enemy and we learn of his strategies and I the spirit this spirit is connected to this and this is and it's like you know, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm kind of saying don't do that, because <laughs> <laughs> you know they're smarter than you are. You go playing around in that stuff. I I just I don't tr- I just don't. I don't. I think I know. How you, I think you know how I feel about it. Anyway. But but if you know him, it doesn't matter what's going on with that stuff, right? right? You know him, and you know that you're anchored in him, mm-hmm. and you can be discerning. And you don't have to have some highly developed sense of spiritual knowledge to be discerning if there is a spirit trying to seek access into your life. You can just know him. And if you know him, that's the filter. Amen? Amen. So, you know, with mom, I- I'm not really even trying to make a decision of whether that was her or not. You know, can it happen? Could happen. Was it impactful? Sure. But here's what I do know I do know she knew Jesus. I do know that she's with him in heaven. I do know that right about now, the Lord Jesus has probably learned how to shag dance. <laughs> and if you're unfamiliar with that, my mom was in a shag dancing club. There's a dance, East Coast, South Carolina thing called the shag dance. And uh, she loved it. Absolutely loved it. So, and I can just see, anyway, I can hear that beach music and she's dancing on the beach of heaven with Jesus. <laughs> and if she happens to be able to turn her sensitivity to this realm and shoot a message over here, I don't know that I doubt that, but I'm not looking for that. You were not looking for it. You still got it. Yeah, and, and which, which is, op, which, you know, so, so we've got to be careful of how we build our doctrines and our qualifications because one might say, oh, well, I wasn't seeking it, so the fact that it came out of nowhere and it was three points of, of, of uh, confirmation and because I wasn't seeking it, then that means it was her. Well, maybe, maybe not. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's not the scriptural filter through which to determine those types of things. Knowing him is. And now, again, I want you to go and I want you to read John 14, 15, 16, 17, because Jesus very clearly talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and he specifically says, so, so let's read. I do have a couple of selections that I want to read. In John 16, starting in verse 12, and, and I'm almost done. John 16, 12, he says, I still have many things. So, this, again, this is the end of his life. He's speaking to his disciples. He knows what's coming. He's preparing them for his absence, and he's talking to them about... In fact, he says, says, in this this moment, the most important thing that could happen is that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. It's more important for you to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you than it is for Jesus to still be here walking around preaching, because he could do that. You realize that, right? After the resurrection... You may not know that, but after the resurrection... So he was in the grave for in, for three days. After the resurrection, it specifically says for 40 days, he revealed himself to people in the city and ministered to them and spoke to them and, and taught them. We have a few records of Jesus interacting with people after the resurrection. One At one point, it says he preached to 500 people. and And if you understand how how to go back through historical documentation to sort out whether something was accurate or not. Um, there was nothing that refuted that. Like, so in other words, if, if the lie was built by the disciples that 500 people saw Jesus preach after his resurrection, and that was not true, it would have been smashed in the beginning. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have gained ground and made its way around. Now, there may not necessarily be other books and documents from other cultures, Roman culture or whatever, to document that. But anyway, point being, for 40 days, and think about that. Like, today, he could have done it this way. Instead of sending the Holy Spirit to live in you and guide you and shape you and transform you, he could have just stayed here after the resurrection and gone around still doing what he was doing before the resurrection, because he did it after the resurrection for 40 days, and other times he's manifested and appeared. I mean, you think about it, that'd be kind of cool, like let's go see Jesus preach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could happen. Why, why not? He did it then. Are, are you with me? But he said, it's more important that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come. And then he teaches about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I have a several messages, a whole series called The Ministry of the Holy Spirit on my website. We'll send, a, we'll send out an email this week with the, the Ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, sermon series uh, a couple of years ago, I think, maybe. Um, it goes into a lot of detail about that. But um, So, verse 12, John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he... The spirit of truth has come. Remember, 1 John says, that is who Jesus was sent so that you could know. He who is the truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. And there is a prophetic element to the indwelling presence of God within you. But it will always testify of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So any prophecy should always testify of Jesus. Uh, and then verse 14, he will glorify me. That, what, testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. That's Revelation. That, you know, anybody? I can't think of it off the top of my head, just for the reference. Anyway, you can Google that. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Okay, so if I think I'm hearing from a spirit or the Holy Spirit, this is one of the main filters that I'm running it through. Is it testifying of Jesus and is it declaring to me what is Jesus's that is also mine. So a message from my mom that says, well, hey, I'm proud of you. If that spiritual dimension can work that way and we do get them, then then fine. But I'm not trying to build a doctrine around that. I'm not trying to anchor my hope into that. And, And so if there is engagement with deceptive spirits on that side, that you may be hearing from or interacting with. Another thing is, are you putting your hope in that or are you putting your hope in Christ? So in other words, maybe you miss them dearly. Maybe you just want to hear one more time from them. Maybe just you just you hate it, you hadn't gotten over it, and you just, ah, just one more time, I'd love to hear from them. And then all of a sudden this message comes in and it's like, Oh, so what? No, so now, now the church doesn't talk about that very much. The Bible doesn't say about that very much. I see this thing on TV where this guy scribbles, and he seems to. I don't know I saw this TV show where this guy spoke to his niece on the other side. Maybe I'm going to go find somebody like that that can. You know, I don't think anybody in this room is running out trying to find that type of person, but there are people all over the planet that will. And, and then the, their hope is then in that. Yeah. Their hope, their expectation, their, their, their seeking of spiritual knowledge is then in something that could very quickly and easily lead them astray, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is not a warning to you to stay away from palm readers. Although if that's where you are, let it be. <laughs> <laughs> but you know people that are looking for a spiritual experience. Do you know God well enough to be able to help them know God where they then become anchored and rooted in Christ and aren't led astray? 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1. This is the last section here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, I'm going to go fast. You know that you were Gentiles as Paul you know you were Gentiles, carried away by these dumb idols. Dumb meaning mute or speechless. They're not, they're not speaking. Uh, however, you were led. Therefore, um, yeah, so carried away. Verse 3, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The same, say the same spirit. Now, if you have been in certain circles that teach impartation and special anointings and all that kind of stuff, that's Gnosticism. Gnosticism was warned about against in the early church that somebody doesn't have something that you don't have. Everybody's got the same spirit. the same spirit. is the, the one Holy Spirit. You don't have the spirit of prophecy, and then you have the spirit of healing. There is a gift of prophecy and a gift of healing, but it's the same spirit that works the gifts through those people. If you have the spirit, you have the capacity for those gifts. Are you with me? Yes. Because in charismatic, spiritual, open circles of Christianity, it's just it's built within the fabric of some of those circles to chase after something, a gift, a power, that you have been led to believe that you don't have. Because so-and-so over there does it, and they prayed for that person, and now that person started to do it. Well, I want to go get that. Well, you've got the same spirit. Know him. Know him. Now, other people can, you know, anyway. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Now, if you understand the literary tool that he's, engaging here. So like if you were to go read this, the, the main point that he wants you to get is it's the same Lord and the same Spirit. He's acknowledging there's different functions and capacities of manifestation, but it's the same Spirit. Same Lord, same Spirit. He says it over and over. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all gifts in all people. But the manifestation of the Spirit so the manifestation, in other words, the expression of it, is given to each one, not the gift, but the manifestation of it. He might lead you to prophesy more. He might lead you to flow more in that gift of healing, but it's the same spirit. I and mean, it's really important that you know that, that you're not chasing after something else that you think that you don't have. And I'm telling you, if, if, you, if you've never been part of that, praise God, but if you have, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and the... the never-ending chase of power and trying to figure out the mystery. I'm telling you, that environment is ripe with deceptive spirits. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let me just keep going. Um, It's given to each one a prophet, all, verse 8, for to one is given the manifestation, and I, I put the manifestation of, but for to one is given... The manifestation of, in parentheses, the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Notice how he says, same Spirit after every time. Verse 9, to another by the same, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. You kind of get the the idea he's wanting to make a point here. Same Spirit. Verse 10, this is kind of where I wanted to go. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Now, these aren't different gifts that he's given to different people, but the manifestation he's working through different people. And it's the same spirit. Yes. Verse 11, one more time. But one and the same spirit works all these gifts, distributing each one individually as he wills. That's the spirit that you need to know. You don't need to know if it's the spirit of Jezebel or the spirit of offense or the spirit of deception or the spirit of dirty diapers or spirit of lack or spirit of this and that. There's, that never ends. If there's an aspect to that, that's actually not even biblical in and of itself. There is the idea of the spirit of infirmity, but if you really do a deep dive into all those spirits, like, like the principalities and powers and spiritual forces and all that, those are, those are functions, or those are the roles, and then the functions might be these levels of deception that we might call the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of this, but it's like we, we so lack understanding of that realm even though we think that we might because we attach certain things, but it's like just you just need to know the one spirit. The one spirit will help you discern. The more you know him, the more you'll spot when there is a counterfeit. Amen? Amen? So back to 1 John 5. So well, three points here. Does it testify of Jesus? Does it lead you to Jesus? Or does it lead you to possibly anchor your hope in something else? Now, and I'm not talking about, oh, I think a spirit spoke to me. I just mean even an idea, even you're praying and then you get this idea and you feel like, Oh, what is this of God? Is this not of God? What is it? No, 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 no. There, there, if, you, if you become established in knowing how Jesus describes the function of the Holy Spirit, you will have filters in place to help you sort through those ideas. You don't have to be spiritual, and I put spiritual in air quotes, enough to be able to pray to God and say, God, is this you or is this some other spirit? I don't trust myself to always be able to hear from Him and know exactly. I mean, if you think you have that kind of confidence, then let's talk. I'd love to learn more about that. But, but I, I just don't know, you know. But I, but I think that we can, that's why the word is important. you got to have the written word established in your heart. Because I don't want to trust my emotions. I don't want to trust my radars and antennas. But on the flip side, I do want to be confident when I feel led by the Spirit to minister or whatever, you know what I mean? So that's a broader conversation. But, so does it testify of Jesus? Because Jesus said the Spirit will testify of me. Uh, does it lead you to Jesus, or does it lead you astray? That's the warning from Paul. Be careful when these diverse spirits come in to lead you astray. So in other words, am I being led to something else that is going to give me a sense of wholeness? I don't mean you're going to go seek a medium and have a seance I just mean, does it lead you to the clock? I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and they said, a big part of my spirituality used to be a certain time on the clock. Oh, I see, it's 11.29. That means Jeremiah. 11.29 means this and this, and that means God's saying this, and therefore, oh, the bird flew in from the southwest, and I know south means this and west means this, and the anchor of the compass and the pump. Everything means something in that mindset. You ever been in that realm? You ever lived that way? I mean, you know, i do not... I'm just saying. And, and 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 again, it's not that there is, it's not that God is not engaged in our lives, because he is, but there's a better way to know him than through that kind of stuff. Are you with me? If that kind of stuff happens and confirms something that you are more than confident of inwardly, then praise God, rejoice in that, that it's an outward confirmation. But don't go seeking that stuff. Especially... If you're hurt or there's sadness or lack or depression or something, you know, is it causing you to get your completeness and your fulfillment in it? Or are you going to Christ? It's just all about that. So let's keep our hope anchored in Him. You know, you you don't have to be a master of spiritual discernment to try to figure out what's happening. Just know Him. Know Him to the degree where you know. This is in his word. I can trust it, and I'm moving this direction. And, and, if, and, if, and if the other side is trying to send us messages, then it's like, okay, praise God. I'm thankful for that. But we're so rooted in him that there's not a sense of unsteadiness that we need that and is a potential to be led astray. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, you go read John 14, 15, 16, 17. Anchor that into your heart, your mind. Pray about it. Know him because there's a world out there that needs you to know him. And don't be afraid of these kinds of conversations. If somebody says something goofy and, you know, I'm not saying jump in there and pick every fight, but be willing to say, well, you know what? I'm not sure about that. Let's talk about this. Let's see what Scripture actually says and where's your hope and what do you, you know, I mean, help people out there. People are looking, and you might be able to help them. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the truth that is anchored in my soul, that I don't have to trust my mind, I don't have to trust my reasoning capabilities and capacities, but I can trust your word. And I will take the time to anchor your word into my heart so that it it is a filter for when your living spirit leads me and guides me into all truth. And I trust that you're doing that. And I want to grow up. I want to be mature. I want to be a mature Christian that's not thrown around and, you know, yeah, yeah, we're in this world and we have the difficulties and the challenges of this world, I'm not saying we're impervious and nothing touches us or affects us, because that's not true. But I think that your spirit of truth is in me and I can know you in every situation. Father, I speak health over every person in this room. I thank you that you're, you're the great counselor. And you're helping us work through things so that the truth will bring us to a place of freedom. We're fully committed to you. We worship you, and we thank you. We love you. Amen, amen, amen.